0: Welcome to It Is What It Is, the podcast, with me, Danielle Bridge. On our show, we catch up with guests to talk about all sorts of things, including our job, mental health, relationships, and basically everything that we humans experience as we navigate through life. On today's episode, we talk to Troy Martin about all things nutrition. We discuss disordered eating, fitness, and the unrealistic expectations of the diet industry. Okay, so Troy, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, As I've mentioned before, this podcast is all about explaining to other people about the things that we find difficult to talk about. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew kind of the relationship that you and I had and how I came to find you uh, with the issues that I was struggling with. So um, if you remember, uh, I think it was a year ago, maybe a year and a bit ago. um, Yeah. Yeah, but I I reached out to talk to you about help with my nutrition um, and about my eating habits, which at the time were highly disordered, um, based upon an experience that I had had uh, following a particular diet, uh, which I found um, success with. I think is the right terminology, but we can get into that in a little bit detail later. Success. With in terms of weight loss and um, and routine, but ultimately wasn't the right one for me based upon a pre-existing medical condition that I had. And I reached out to you to talk about how I could embrace my nutrition. And I think our first meeting, I burst into tears um, and realised that there was actually a little bit more work that needed to be done as a result of this Experience that I'd had. So, um, before we kind of go on to that later on, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and what brought you to to kind of sitting and speaking to me today?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me on onto the show. And um, yeah, so my name's Troy Martin. I am the owner of TM Fitness, which is basically just me. Uh, So I'm a personal trainer with bells on, as as I like to call it. So I'm I'm a fitness and nutrition coach um i specialize in mostly training um 35 plus uh, year old i mean there's no kind of hard and fast rule to it but the majority of my clients tend to be over the age of 35 and most of them are re- relatively active and some of them are quite um quite highly active um recreational athletes um and so the personal training side of things do sort of strength and conditioning, corrective exercise, uh, back pain and injury, rehab, uh, and of course, sports conditioning for, for the, uh, the more athletic populations. And then with nutrition, I do that mostly online. And that's a combination of performance nutrition for, for uh, sports, for those athletes. And uh, more often than not, it's weight loss. That's the most uh, kind of common area that people need help with their with their weight loss, and then which is where you and I met uh, or how you and I met I think you 'd been following me on social media for a little while and you reached out to me and said you need some help and as you found out the um, the life of a a, uh, a weight loss coach is a lot less about talking about calories and macros and eat this and don 't eat that and a lot more about listening to you and listening to your problems and helping you to identify and then remove barriers to change
0: yeah (laughs) that and I'm kind of just remembering back to that first conversation around you know what it is that I was after and it was primarily about finding my feet in terms mm. of eating because it got to a point for me where anything I ate was traumatizing. You know, could I eat carbohydrates and how much and how much protein should I be eating and actually what what about my macros? And you know, coming from I've always been quite fit and quite healthy and always been to the gym and speaking to different people, have different ideas about what you should be eating and what you shouldn't be eating. And finding a diet, if you like, or a lifestyle where which fitted me specifically and realising that I couldn't ever eat that way again because I got told by a medical professional that I couldn't eat that way again, Mm -hmm. totally threw it out for me. And I remember the first meeting you and I had, I was talking to you about kind of eating pizza and breaking out into a cold sweat, you know, about eating carbs. And then, oh my God, well, should I or shouldn't I? And it was totally confusing. And I remember your ethos around actually not even thinking too much about macros and calories at that point it was about figuring out that there is no inherently bad food. And I found that quite interesting. I remember the conversation you and I had was about Snickers bars um, and me saying how much I love the Snickers. And you saying, well, you could have a Snickers bar every day if you wanted to, but you'd have to wrap around, you know, other other ways of, of kind of monitoring your calorie intake, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, wow. And I, It's probably not the right thing to take away, Troy, but I remember coming away going, man, I can eat a Snickers bar every day
1: <laughs> if I really wanted to. Yeah, and that's. I mean, yeah. So first of all, let me sort of qualify that statement by saying that it, no one is suggesting that a Snickers is a health food, but there is, uh, you know, uh, th- there are certain foods that don't have a purpose in terms of of, of health or metabolism or or um, immune function or any of those sort of things, but they have a profound effect on your sense of joy. You know, and if you're depriving yourself of foods that you, you love, um, that make you feel good, even if it is just a temporary sense of of, of goodness or relation or warmth or whatever it is, um, then you know that's going to lead you down a, a quite a uncomfortable and and unpleasant path. Um, so you know, there's there's room for everything, as you said. There's there's foods aren't inherently good or bad. There's no such thing as a fattening food. There's only fattening amounts of food. You just have to qualify that with a sensible uh, and, and um, sustainable approach. Like, you, you can't just eat Snickers. Darn it! <laughs> <laughs> like, theoretically, if, if, let's say, for example, you, you, your, your maintenance calories were 2,000 a day, in theory, you could eat 2,000 calories worth of Snickers a day and not gain weight, but you'd feel like utter shite. Mm. Um, and it would no doubt leads you over consuming uh, those calories anyway so so you wouldn't do that Uh,
0: Mm -hmm. you would still
1: take a a whole foods approach to to eating but then you can balance it out by occasionally having a snickers or a beer or a piece of ice cream or whatever Mm.
0: so actually that's interesting because when we're talking about um no inherently bad food i remember the the first thing that popped into my head then was the sin you know the sins Mm. that you could eat if you are following a particular diet Mm. um and even the terminology sin brings you out some people out into a cold sweat and you know, what you can eat versus what you can't eat, etc. So that leads us on to on the next step, then I suppose, in terms of the diet industry versus healthy lifestyle. And that's a massive thing that you advocate. And I remember you talking about actually being a wholly healthy person, you know, that's what you're striving for, not necessarily just your calorie intake, but the amount of sleep that you have and your outlook, your mindset around your diet and your food intake. So can we talk a little bit more about that as well?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I've I've, I've just recently, just this week, uh, put a a couple of posts on my Instagram uh, feed about that. So I've got one on on IGTV, uh, which is just me talking into the camera about healthy behaviours. And then I put something up uh, this morning about kind of like some of the fads within the diet industry. So the, the, the health and fitness industry does rely on marketing and you can't market a healthy lifestyle you can't say to somebody get seven hours sleep every night drink two liters of water every day eat some protein with every meal make sure you're eating your vegetables everyone knows this stuff but they're not doing it for a number of reasons and you can't market that but if you market to somebody drink this herbal tea and you will lose six pounds in a week um it's possible that you could do that, but it 's because it 's a laxative and you're you know you, you you're shitting yourself thin um, so yeah there's a lot of marketing and there's a lot of b s and then there's a very sinister side to it as well because there's a lot of uh Seemingly trustworthy experts in uh, the health and fitness industry, who have an agenda, and their agenda is because they want you to buy their book or their product or their supplement or whatever. Uh, and some of these people are doctors and PhDs. Um, Michael Mosley, for example, who, who's on—I'm um, not going to get into trouble for calling him out, am I?
0: Um, <laughs> who knows? I
1: but uh, he, you know, he does stuff on, I think it's on BBC. He's got a couple of shows that have been on, on, on the telly and he f- frames everything as if he's talking about science and often he is, but he's misrepresenting a lot of that science. He's cherry picking a lot of that science to suit his narrative uh, and it's misleading. And like the, the 5-2 diet, yeah, it works. It works because it... it there's a, a whole bunch of calories that, that, you, that you're not eating for a couple of days. Um, but when you look on the forums online, there's all this cr- some some really crazy stuff on there, like people getting really anxious and, and and, you know, really developing very disordered relationships with food and with themselves as a result of this highly restrictive diet and the narrative that's being pushed to them, can't eat this, can't eat that you know and especially with something like the five two because it's like oh on these five days you can eat whatever you like but on this day you can only have 300 calories or whatever it is um and of course you can't just eat whatever you like on those other days that's not how physiology works um and then you've got the celebrities and celebrity diets are always garbage they um almost always anyway, um, celebrities don't look the way they look because th- they drink apple cider vinegar and gargle honey. They look the way they look because they have personal trainers and dieticians working for them. And when you, and they don't walk around the street looking the way they look in films. They, they crash diet and they train like a maniac and a lot of them, especially like the superhero actors and what have you, are on steroids. So you know, and then they're, they're marketing to you like a product or a diet method or a training method. And the, the idea is that you're going to look like them if you do that. And you're not, you're not, it takes years to build the the kind of physique that someone like The Rock has. He's been training all his life and he's probably jacked up on other substances as well. Um, Allegedly. Um, So, yeah, and and it pries on people's insecurities, and and it's off, There's often also an appeal to authority as well, or an appeal to like the healthy, uh, n- uh, natural appeal. Like if you hear people like Food Babe say, "If you can't pronounce it, don't eat it." Well, you know what? If you can't pronounce avocado, um, that's a rubbish statement to make. And do you know
0: every- what? I've I've said that you know I said that many years ago when I was following a certain diet that Mm -hmm. oh you know if you can't pronounce it you shouldn't be eating it or if it's got a list of ingredients on the back of it that you can't pronounce or there's more than five then it means it's full of additives or it's full of this and I cannot tell you that I read those that that information in scholarly records with any amount of evidence attached to them whatsoever and in fact I probably picked it up from a from a social media piece or something that somebody said on Twitter. When I used to follow these groups and stuff, and they used to be gospel for me, and I would preach about them to anybody that would listen with this really judgmental tone over how it is that they ate versus what it is that I was doing, and oh, wasn't I holier than than thou because I joined this group of people who were spouting the stuff that seemed to be really good. And I was living examples, you know, I'd lost all this weight. And I, you know, I belong to this, to this tribe. And and I remember something you said, and I came back to, and told my husband about it. That, And I think it was, after, I think it was our second visit, my second visit to you. And you said, you'd explained how I was feeling by the fact that I belong to this tribe. And they looked after me and nourished me and fed me all of this information that I be- believed was true and I was happy with them. And then all of a sudden they chucked me out, you know, and I was kind of this this lone wolf, you know, kind of prowling along going, well, what do I do? I'm lost now. And that you, mentally it took its toll on me. Um, And I remember you saying about that, you know, this whole pseudoscience thing, where they get it from and how how really impactful it is. It can be for people. You know, I was in a really bad place and I'm just getting comfortable with, you know, with, with my with my eating habits now. But for a long time, it affected me mentally. And I know so many people, mainly women, mainly women that are still. Head up on this whole desire to lose weight for for losing weight's sake, or to get into a pair of trousers that they wore twenty years ago, um, or you know, not take into consideration the natural um, evolution, I suppose, of the female form and of the male form as you get older, etc., etc., and it all being about um, looks uh, versus health. You know, yeah. so, um, that that's also quite interesting in terms of the diet industry
1: yeah the, the the fitness industry has really it really gets my goat sometimes the, 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 we are seeing some positive changes now like um the clothing brand gymshark they they got a lot of heat uh, like last year or a couple of years ago because they all their models all their promoters were were basically instagram um influencers so all these hot young women with plastic lips and 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 bum selfies all over their their instagram feed and um and they were promoting a, a very specific type of lifestyle and a very specific type of body image, and they got a lot of heat for it. And uh, they've started changing it now. And now they're they're using uh, more kind of natural looking women in, in their promote uh, promotions, which is which is a positive step. Um, then you've got the backlash against the diet culture and, and the fitness industry uh, with the body positivity um, movement, which started from a very good place because, yes, you know it's your body, it's your choice to do with it what, what you will. And if you choose to eat gallons of ice cream every day and be morbidly obese, that's your choice. Um, but don't then, when somebody says, like if a doctor says to you, you are morbidly obese, you are harming your health and you are dramatically shortening your life. You need to lose weight. Don't then say your body shaming me Mm. because they're not. That's just fact. Yes. Some doctors might frame that in a, in a certain way that is not, um, not very, uh, empathic or compassionate. So they need to be careful how they say this. Um, but to, it's like everything on the internet these days, because of the way social media is, and there's no room for nuance anymore. Everything's like one extreme end of the spectrum or the other. So you're either skinny, or you're morbidly obese. You're either ripped to shreds, or you know you're something else. You're either you're either low carb ketogenic dieter, or you're a high carb vegan dieter. There's nothing in between. It's either meat or no meat. It's you know there's, and um yeah it's incredibly confusing for people but the the point you were saying about the like the, the the fitness industry and how it's all about aesthetics as i say that is starting to change but there's still a lot of that and all these memes about oh you're not you know it's almost like they're shaming people I mean, you get this stuff out like, of oh, your sweat is just your fat crying if it doesn't hurt you're not working hard enough you know you know and you still see a lot of of trainers and coaches online who are doing this you know it's all about the hustle get up at 5am and and do a thousand burpees before you start work and it's bollocks yeah. um, and no wonder like i was saying to somebody um just yesterday um like what joe Wicks did in in lockdown uh, 1.0 uh, was really good, and you know, Joe Wicks is he, he seems like a good bloke, he seems to genuinely care, uh, he's popular because he's very charismatic. Um, but the amount of people I know who went from doing nothing. To doing thirty minutes of high intensity uh, interval training and plyometrics every single day within within the first month, that they would blown their back out, they would busted their knee up, they they pulled a muscle here or whatever, and it's that's that's not the way. You don't go from zero to 100. You've got to build yourself up. You need to build, build a base, base of strength. You need to think about your recovery. You need to have, you know, high intensity days and low intensity days. You need to, you know, you need to take care of your body. You need to take care of your mind. And so, yeah, when I was, you know, the, the, the whole, you know, you need to do certain things to look a certain way. And if you're not doing that, you're, you're in the wrong. I hate that message. It is starting to change, but yeah, it's, it's not good.
0: You're listening to It Is What It Is, the podcast. We hope you're enjoying this episode as we strive to bring you interesting conversations about the things that really matter. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. But for now, let's get back to that conversation. Have you always
1: practiced what you preach? In terms of health and fitness? Yeah. Pretty much. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm not a health fanatic. I'm not obsessive about th- this sort of stuff. I've always eaten a, a, a relatively healthy diet and I've always kind of self regulated. This is the difference. Okay. This is an important uh, distinction. Like you see this a lot in, in, in research papers. People who um, are overweight more often than not, when they, they, they do psychological analysis on them, they answer a bunch of questions. They They have a couple of things going on. One, they have a much higher sense of um, uh, hedonic reward from eating food um, than people of a a healthier or or, or lower uh, body mass index. Two, they tend to move less. Even if they don't realize it, they tend to just move less. Maybe they just fidget less. Um, And uh, there was a third one. I can't remember now. I've just lost my train of thought momentarily there, but um, it's, yeah, there's, so there's a, there's a number of behavioral factors that are kind of hardwired into people. Um, so, yeah, so that was, the, that was where I was, I was going. So self-regulation. So healthy weight people who are naturally healthy weight never seem to you know, have any problems with, with their weight. It isn't because they have a fast metabolism. It's because they self-regulate. That means that they'll eat when they're hungry and they stop when they're full. They probably don't snack so much in between meals. They probably even unconsciously select healthier portion sizes or healthier meals because, you know, without even really thinking about it, they know they need to have some protein and some carbs and some vegetables on their plate. And if, you know, uh, and then they tend to also unconsciously um, adjust their activity. So you, you, you know, the more you eat, the more you move, the less you eat, the less you move, you self-regulate and, uh, the more overweight people tend not to do that. And it's an unconscious act. So it's much harder. Uh, So, yeah. So for me, yeah. I mean, it's always kind of, I've always been like, I've never really been massively overweight. I gained a little bit of weight uh, a couple of years ago. uh, And then I've lost it again uh, recently when I had, um, I tested my blood pressure and it was higher than it should be. And then I just said a little word on myself. I was like, okay, you've, your head has been focused on all these other things, business, lockdown, family I- I- issues. So now I need to raise my standards. And so I just, I just set myself a couple of training goals and I just made the effort to, you know, Cut a couple of things, not out of my diet, but just cut down on a couple of things that had crept in. A couple of bad habits that had kept crept in. So I cut cut out on those, and um, you know, within a month, I'd lost like half a stone, and my blood pressure was back down to normal. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I've pretty much always been there. Haven't always been a a, a, you know, uh, I don't want to say the word expert. I haven't always been uh, as knowledgeable about nutrition and exercise as I am now, but I've always been active and have always been re- relatively healthy and exercise and activities always interested me.
0: It's interesting you said that because you just you literally just described my husband he you know he he will he he has this capacity to be able to stop or if I serve dinner, then if he doesn't want that much rice, he'll kind of leave. I'm like, who needs rice? Like, how do you leave that on your plate? So I've got to try and put less on mine because he has the capacity to not eat it, whereas I don't. I, I have it in, in, instilled in me that you have to kind of clear your plate um, because uh, it's, it's a waste of food. And it might be because of my upbringing. I don't. I have no idea, you know. But these, these things have made a massive difference to the way in which. I look at food and certainly the way in which my other half looks at food. It's quite interesting you say that because it was his birthday last week and I made a huge cake and we ate quite, not badly, but we ate more than we would normally eat that week. And this week he's just gone, right, that's it. Last week's done. I'm going to kind of just cut this out and I'm just going to, you know, make sure that I'm back on track. I'm like, man, I'm so jealous of that ability to do that. I really wish I was uh, a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A bit more disciplined. I think sometimes, and also in terms of mindset, thinking of myself as as worthy to look after rather than wanting to just lose weight does that make sense it's actually i need to think about myself as being important enough to be all around healthy and that includes the food and the amounts of foods that i eat
1: um, yeah that's and- a yeah that's a really co- sorry to interrupt that's okay. that's really that's a really common um Uh, problem uh, with with the uh, weight loss coaching I would say it's almost certainly the number one problem that overweight people that want to lose weight and have always struggled to lose weight and have always been trying to lose weight is that they just can't put themselves first they don't put themselves like if 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 they were to write a list of of things that are really important to them they probably they wouldn't even beyond the list, let alone near the top of the list.
0: Which I might add, you made me do, I think our first Mm -hmm. or second meeting, and we wrote that list out, and I wasn't anywhere near the top because I was Mm -hmm. putting every business, children, family, house, or you know, all sorts of things, training, et cetera, et cetera, and I was kind of fitting in. Um, Interestingly enough, some of the work that I did off the back of what we did was to think about my place within all of those. And I remember you saying without me putting myself first, I can't then manage these things or mm. well, I have to be able to put myself first to be able to be well enough and fit enough and healthy enough to be able to manage these things and the stress that life can sometimes bring. And once I kind of got that into my head and I'm not by any means a stretch of the imagination there yet, I, you know, I'm a work in progress, mm-hmm. people, but Um, I have certainly started to try and put myself first and diet is a part of that, but it certainly isn't everything. So it's exercise. And if I can't do a workout, then I'm doing walking or, you know, taking the dogs for a walk or, you know, so I think that whole piece around health versus weight loss specifically is really, really important um, to, to talk about. And actually that leads us kind of down to stigma and stigma around food nutrition and fitness and stigma is my thing all right so stigma is that kind of that scarlet letter that that taints a person when we are looking at any kind of subject matter and i'm trying to think about what sorts of stigma there is in the diet and fitness and food industry or kind of the reason why we're talking about that have you got any kind of insight for that uh,
1: i mean it's a good question there's there's, there's a lot of L- lot of stuff um so f- in terms of stigma like for example um a lot of people won't go to the gym because they they're, they're scared of being judged now yeah there are assholes in the gym that will judge you but you know that says more about them than it does about you um but most people in the gym aren't judging you because they're too busy thinking everyone else is judging them
0: <laughs> wow the irony
1: yeah um but, you know, the gym isn't for everyone and there's other things you can do. Like, you know, ideally you would do, like the government guidelines for, for activities. So I'm going off on a slight tangent. Then. Um, so the government guidelines for, for activity, I think it's like two and a half hours of, of moderate intensity uh, a- exercise. Uh, per week, you know, like fast walking, running, that kind of thing, sort of cycling, swimming, whatever, um, or like 90 minutes of moderate to high intensity um, exercise, which would be, you know, more kind of you know, sort of Maybe, like gym classes and things like that, plus at least two sessions of of strengthening exercise per week because it 's not just the cardiovascular system that 's important your your bone density, your muscular strength and muscular endurance are important, and then all the benefits of being an active person and or, you know, being a stronger version of yourself are, are, are immeasurable in terms of reductions in risk of heart disease, reductions in risk of cancer, uh, improving insulin sensitivity, improving your mental health, reducing pain, uh, incidences of back pain, neck pain, that kind of thing. Uh, it just it just improves your quality of uh, of life. So exercise is very important, but not everyone needs to be in the gym to achieve that there are other ways uh, to do it uh, and even if you're not the sort of person that's really motivated by exercise you could still find some form of activity that 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 you enjoy i'm sure you know whether it's dancing or swimming or skateboarding you know um but yeah there is a stigma there and a lot of people don't go to the gym and a lot of people don't exercise you know they tell themselves I can't exercise I'm not strong enough I'm not fit enough the amount of times I've had people come to me and say I want to start training with you but I need to get in shape first (laughs)
0: that's that
1: it's not how it works (laughs) (laughs)
0: that that reminds me of people who clean their house before the cleaner comes you know and I I kind of like wow why are you doing that and I I, yeah I get it (laughs) Yes. And I suppose it's because they, they believe, and it actually goes back to that whole starting again. You know, I've heard so many people going, who are going to certain like um, diet clubs, etc., who say, Oh, I'm starting again. I've got to eat everything that's bad in the cupboard because tomorrow I'm going to start my diet or next Thursday, I'm going to start my diet. Um, And that whole piece around, starting something which for me seems to be so um, strict do you know what I mean it's like right I'm going to get everything out of the way now that's really bad and my natural instincts and I'm going to then cut off all of those natural instincts next Thursday because i start my diet on Friday you know that that whole piece around there as well and when we're looking at stigma you mentioned about going to the gym the other stigma that there might be is people's information. So I read something the other day, and actually it's it's a trend that I'm going to be talking about on every uh, every call I have, which is there's too much information, not enough wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. And I find that to be quite profound because when I hear, for example, Caroline, who works works in our training center, she runs our training center, she um she she's a runner she loves running and I can't run and I go oh no I can't run it's all terrible for your knees and then she'll say oh no I can't lift weights which is what I love doing oh because I haven't got the strength to do that we all if you belong to a certain camp then you always look at the other people in their camps and find fault in whatever it is that they are potentially doing and that leads back to that whole is there too much information around and not enough wisdom and knowledge what's your kind of your, your take on that
1: Um, yes absolutely like information overload is is, especially on social media but it is a is a thing and when people first start um, when when you look at like the stages of change and you start off and you're in pre-contemplation mode and you're not aware that you have a problem that needs to be solved and then you move into contemplation mode and you're like oh I, I have a problem I need to solve this and then you you start to act on that what a lot of people start doing is they, 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 they look and they read and they watch everything and there's so much conflicting stuff out there that they just get overloaded and overwhelmed the best thing to do is to try and find like a couple of people that you really trust and follow their advice start to do some proper research like read a textbook if you need to you know uh, if you don't know how to how to source and read science papers don't do that but you know maybe read a textbook or or listen to you know a science podcast so you learn about critical thinking and how to how to find the right information but once you find a couple of trusted people you can find then off the back of that you find other people with a similar message but then, then, there's a problem associated with that because this trusted person might not be as trustworthy as you, as you think they are, as, as we talked about earlier with with certain individuals. So here, here's a clue for people: if if you're following anyone online, who ha, you know, whose name is say the carnivore coach, the paleo coach, the keto coach, the high carb coach, the the vegan coach, etc., if the, if their ideology is in their description, unfollow them because they're not giving you they're only giving you one side of the argument. They're only giving you their cherry-picked biased narrative. They're not looking at the bigger picture. Um, And, you know, it's not to say that any of those approaches might not work for somebody, but they're not going to work for everyone. And, um, yeah, so does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's interesting, once you start to pick... I was watching The Social Media Dilemma a couple of weeks ago, and it was talking about once you pick something, you pick a side, you pick a route mm. to go down, then everything that you find will, will validate how you feel on that particular side. But then by validating it, it then discounts the opposite, which could be just as, as effective or just as important. So I yeah. suppose in terms of the information that we do take on board, it's about fact checking and also finding out why you're following it in the first place. You know, what is it that you, you, you aim to get out of that for to what, to what end effectively? Um, So yeah, that is, it's it's quite interesting um, looking at, at the diet industry, looking at fitness and looking at how important it is to have understanding, but without going down one particular route all of the time with everything Mm -hmm. that you have, because if you do that, and then for whatever reason, especially in my case when you get told that you can't do that anymore, you're then lost.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And so having a balanced or a broad understanding of a subject matter, I think therefore is key potentially.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Totally.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Troy. That's been an amazing conversation. Very, very interesting. It's taken me back actually. And I'm, you know, I I kind of really appreciate the work that it is that, that you and I did, and it certainly helped mm. me to understand um you know food and and mental health and awareness and feelings and emotion uh, that's surrounding this very basic instinct that we have as humans um and to help people to become healthier without becoming obsessed and lonely you know because it can be a really difficult uh, place to navigate so thank you so much so where can we find you then um troy what what sorts of mediums can people find you if they're interested in finding out about what you do
1: um well the, the the website which is tmfitness.co.uk uh you can find me on instagram i'm UK on instagram i also have a patreon um so if you you can sign up to just support my work for like the price of a cup of tea every month or there's a couple of tiers there's an athlete tier which is like a five or a month and you get every month you get an exclusive Um, workout or exercise content and then there's an Achiever tier which is uh, I think 30 pounds and you get that plus a 20-minute coaching call uh, with me or people can just you know get in touch with me and ask about coaching or any of my online programs like the back pain solution or the nutrition solution Um, but yeah that's it really so probably Instagram's probably the best place to if you're on social media to to uh, go looking for me and then you'll probably find everything else off the back of that
0: which is exactly what i did so yes it definitely works (laughs) (laughs) but thank you so much for your time troy it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you um and yeah anybody interested in a no bs approach to fitness health and nutrition please do head along where you'll find loads and loads and loads of awesome information so thank you so much
1: been listening to the it is what it is podcast presented by daniel bridge and produced by defresh productions